Second Samuel chapter 19. David's grief for his son Absalom. And David was there in his chamber wailing over Absalom. So they told Joab, and, and David's really wailing over Absalom's death. And Joab came unto David and he said, all right now, David, let's cut this out. He said, these men have gone out and hazarded their lives for you, and they've brought you victory over your enemies. But now they are sneaking back into town like they were criminals because of your great grief for Absalom. You're actually making them ashamed of what they have done. And if you don't change your behavior in a hurry, they're all going to turn against you. None of them will go ever out for you again and hazard their lives for you again. So you get out there among them, dry your tears, and go out and congratulate them on the battle, or else you're going to really lose out completely now, because these men that have been so loyal to you will surely turn against you. Now, this is, this is pretty good advice on Joab's part. And so David went out among the men there in the gate and greeted them and so forth and did really the right thing for these men who had hazarded their lives for David, verses 1 through 8. Now, there began then a movement of bringing their king back. Actually, they had more or less turned from David. Israel had turned, Jerusalem had turned, and now they have started a movement to bring David back. And so David came back to the Jordan River as he was returning to Jerusalem, and the first one to meet him at the Jordan River was this guy, Shimei who was throwing rocks and cursing him on his way out, remember? And now that David is coming back, Shimei is down there to visit him and to greet him and to welcome him back. And he fell down before the king, verse 18, even as he came to the Jordan River. And he said to David, Let not my Lord impute iniquity unto me, neither remember that which your servant did perversely, the day that my lord the king went out of Jerusalem, that the king should take it to his heart. For your servant knows that I have sinned. Therefore I am come this first day and all the house of Joseph to meet my lord the king. And Abishai, who wanted to take off his head earlier, said to David, Shall not Shimei be put to death for this, because he cursed the Lord's anointed? And David said, what have I to do with you, you sons of Zariah, that you should this day be adversaries unto me? Shall there be any man put to death this day in Israel? For do not I know that I am this day king over all Israel? Therefore David said to Shimei, You shall not die. And the king swore unto him. Verses 18 through 23. Now the next one to meet him was Mephibosheth, who was the son of Jonathan. They had told David a lie. The servants of Mephibosheth had told David a lie, saying that Mephibosheth had pledged allegiance to Abishai, or was trying to take over the kingdom himself after David fled. So Mephibosheth came to David, and David said, Well, how come you turned against me? And Mephibosheth said, that was a lie. I didn't turn against you, David. I'm crippled. 
And he said, I needed a donkey to ride on, and they deceived me, and they didn't bring me a donkey. And therefore, I was stuck. Verses 24 through 27. So David forgave him when he found out that it was all just a lie that he had been told to him about Mephibosheth. So they bring back David the king and this man that had met him and offered him all these foods and dainties and all David sought to bring back and to be with David in Jerusalem. And the guy said, hey man, I'm 80 years old. I'm happy here, and I'm too old to enjoy the, the dancing girls and all of this at this point. Why should I go back to Jerusalem? I just as soon die here where I am. So David thanked him for all of his goodness and left him. Now, there had been a continual sort of division between the northern tribes of Israel and the southern tribe of Judah. And this division, of course, was manifested in the beginning of David's reign. And David reigned for seven years over Judah before he reigned over all of Israel. Now, there has been this division in the kingdom. This old rivalry arises again. And there is this guy in the northern kingdom, of course, later on under David's grandson Rehoboam, there came the complete break. And Jeroboam became king of Israel and Rehoboam the king of Judah. For that time on, there were actually two nations. They never were united again, except in a few battles. And the kings would get together in battles, but quite often. And more often than not, they were fighting against each other rather than fighting with each, fighting with each other. It became a definite divided kingdom. Interestingly enough, in the prophecy of Ezekiel, where God promises to restore the nation, God promises in the restoration of the nation of Israel that they would be one nation, not two, when they are restored. And of course, since May 17, 1948, in the restoration of the nation of Israel, you don't have the northern tribes versus the southern tribes, but there is a definite unity of all the nation of Israel. And the scriptures have been totally fulfilled in this as they are unified as a nation, one ruler over them and a unified nation, just as was predicted by Ezekiel so many years ago. In chapter 20. But here in chapter 20, this division is manifested by this particular fella by the name of Sheba, who is of the tribe of Benjamin. And he blew a trumpet in Israel, which was always a signal of gathering the people to his cause. And he said, we have no part with David, nor of the son of Jesse, every man to your tent, O Israel. In other words, he was calling for a rebellion against David. And so every man of Israel left David and went up to follow Sheba. But the men of Judah stuck with their king. And David came to his house at Jerusalem, and he took the ten women who he had left charge in, left in charge, who were his concubines, who were humiliated by Absalom there on the roof. And David put them in a ward, and he fed them. But he would not have relations with them after that. So... They were as though living in widowhood from that time on, verses 1 through 3. Now, David had asked Amasa to be one of his generals over his army. Amasa was one of the generals under Absalom. But when Absalom was killed, 
David asked him to be one of his generals. But Joab really wanted nothing to do with that. And so David said to Amasa, assemble me the men of Judah within three days and present them here. So Amasa went out to assemble the men of Judah, but he tarried longer than the set time which had been appointed. And David said to Abishai, now will Sheba do us more harm than Absalom did? Take the Lord's servants, pursue after them, lest he gets into fenced cities and escapes us. So there went out after him Joab's men, and the Cherethites, and the Pelethites, and all were mighty men, and they all went out of Jerusalem to pursue after Sheba, the son of Bichri. And when they were at the great stone, which is in Gibeon, Amasa went before them, and Joab's garment that he had put on was girded to him, and upon it a girdle with a sword fastened upon his loins, and a sheath thereof, and he went forth and it fell out. And Joab said to Amasa, Are you in health, my brother? And Joab took Amasa by the beard with his right hand to kiss him. But Amasa did not take heed to the sword that was in Joab's hand. So he smote him in the fifth rib, or in his heart, and he killed Amasa. So Joab and his brother Abishai pursued after Sheba, and one of Joab's men stood by him, and he said, He that favors Joab, and he that is for David, let him go after Joab. And Amasa wallowed in his own blood there in the midst of the highway. And each man that came up sort of stopped, and they, they finally threw his body over in the bushes and covered it. And Joab went ahead, pursuing after Sheba, who got into a city. And Joab set up to besiege the city. And then a wise woman within the city said, Listen to me. Why should you destroy a whole city in Israel and all his mothers of Israel? And Joab said, Hey, I don't want to destroy you. I only want that guy that rebelled against David. And she said, Well, just wait, and we'll give him to you. So she talked to the men of the town, and she said, Look, why should we get wiped out? You know these guys are tough. They'll wipe out our city. Why should we shelter this guy Sheba? Just because he wants to do his own thing against David. And so they cut off Sheba's head and tossed it over the wall to Joab. And Joab returned then unto David without attacking the city. Verses 4 through 22. Now, in chapter 21, it's recorded that at this time there were three years of famine in the land. So David sought the Lord. Why the famine? And the Lord said, The famine was in judgment because of the treatment of Saul of the Gibeonites, for Saul had killed many of the Gibeonites. Verse 1. Now this is interesting to me because when Joshua was, was coming in to conquer the land, God said to Joshua, Don't make a covenant with any of the people in the land. You're not to make any treaties nor any covenants. Wipe them out. So after the conquest of the city of Ai, there came to Joshua these old men with their worn-out shoes, with moldy bread in their hands and ragged clothes. And they said, Oh, we've come from a long distance because we've heard of your fame and how that God destroyed the Egyptians and how God is with you. Our leaders have sent us to you to make a league with you that you will not attack and you're not to attack us. And Joshua said, Well, where are you from? 
They said, well, oh, we're, we're just we're just a long way off. In fact, when we left home, this, this bread was hot in our hands. But look how moldy it is now. And these sandals were brand new. Look how worn out they are. The Bible says they took stock of their victuals and inquired not of the Lord. And they made the covenant with them. They made the same mistake that we often make using our own good judgment instead of seeking God for wisdom and advice. We look over a situation. We say, oh, well, well that's all right. That's, that's obvious, Lord, what you want me to do here. I don't need to really bother you about this. I'll take care of this matter. And I can, I can see what's going on here, Lord. And we just, we don't inquire of the Lord. And there is that verse to the song, oh, what needless pain we bear all because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. <laughs> that is so true. So they took stock of their victuals, inquired not of the Lord, and they made this covenant with the Gibeonites. And as they got to the next city and they started to deploy the troops, the guy said, oh, no, no, you can't attack this city. And they said, what do you mean? Well, this is our city. And so Joshua realized at that point that he had been snookered by these guys. And so he said, okay, I accept that. You deceived me. But, he said, you guys are going to have to chop our wood for us and be our servants. And they said, well, that's fine. You know better to be your wood choppers and servants and all than to be dead. And so now they made the covenant. God told them not to. They made it. But the interesting thing is, once they made it, God expected them to honor it. Even though the covenant they made was wrong to begin with, even though they had no business making that covenant, even though they had made it in deception, being deceived, once they made it, they were told not to make any covenant to begin with. So they disobeyed God in making it. And in making it, they they did it because they were deceived, yet God required that they honor that covenant. And it's interesting to me how that God expects us to honor the covenants that we make. Now, I have so many times people come to me and ask me and ask about the covenant of marriage and things like that. And, oh, it was a mistake or I should have never have done it. And they want to disannul the covenant, right? And they want to set aside a covenant they, that they've made. They want a divorce. Oh, that was a mistake. I should have never done it. And I, I just want to, I just, I just want to get a divorce. And it's interesting to me that once you make a covenant, mistake or not, God expects you to honor that covenant. And Saul broke the covenant with the Gibeonites, and he began to kill some of them. And so later on. This is years later under David's reign. Saul had been dead for years. Saul has been dead for at least 30 years at this point. But now here comes the three years of famine. And David inquires of the Lord. And the Lord said, ah, this is in judgment because of Saul breaking the covenant with the Gibeonites and killing many of the Gibeonites. And so David called the Gibeonites and said unto them, what shall I do for you? How can I make it right with you that you may bless the inheritance of the Lord? And the Gibeonites said unto him, We don't want any silver or gold from Saul, nor from his house. Neither do we want to kill any man in Israel. And he said, 
Well, what shall I do for you? And he answered and said, The man that consumed us and de devised us against us, that we should be destroyed from remaining in any of the coasts of Israel, let seven men of his sons be delivered unto us, that we may hang them before the Lord and give you the city where Saul lived. And the king said, I will give them. But the king spared Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, because of his own covenant with Jonathan. But he took the two sons of Rizpah, whom she bare unto Saul, and the five sons of Michael, the daughters of Saul, whom she brought up with Adriel, the son of Barzillai, the Hamalothite. Now, we are told earlier in the scriptures that Michael was sort of childless, as David's punishment to her for her sort of her mockery of him as he was dancing before the Lord, and as he brought the Ark of the Covenant back from the Kirjath-Jerim when he was bringing it back to Jerusalem. There he was out there dancing before the Lord, and when he got home, you know, he was all excited. He was going to bless his family. He says, aha, well, weren't you a pretty one out there today dancing with all those people like you were a commoner? And David says, I'm going to be more common than this. And he refused to have relationships with her. She did not have, she remained childless till the day of her death. So if you will go back in the record, you will find that these five sons were the sons of Merib, who was the daughter of Saul, who originally was supposed to be given to David for killing Goliath. And remember Saul said, if any man kills the giant, I'll give my son great rewards, and so forth. Merib was a daughter that was that was supposed to have been given to David, but Saul gave him a dirty turn and gave her to someone else. She had five sons, and so these sons that were turned over now to the Gibeonites to be hung were the five sons of Merib, the woman who was supposed to be David's wife originally, plus the two others that were actually the sons of Saul from one of his concubines. So he delivered them to the Gibeonites, and they hung all seven of them in the days of the barley harvest. And Rizpah, the daughter of Ea, whose two sons were hung, took sackcloth and spread it upon the rock from the beginning of harvest until the water dropped on them out of heaven. And she did not allow the birds of the air to rest on them by day, nor beasts of the field by night. And it was told David what Rizpah, the daughter of Ea, the concubine of Saul, had done. And David took the bones of Saul and of Jonathan and the bones of these guys, and buried them all together in one place in the sepulcher of Kish, who, of course, was Saul's father. Verses 9 through 14. Now, in the beginning of the 15th verse, 15th verse, we find that the Philistines again make war against David, and David was out in battle against the Philistines, and he began to wax faint. And Ishbenob who was one of the sons of Goliath, whose spear had weighed 300 shekels of brass, he was about ready to kill David. And Abishai, the son of Zariah, helped David, and he smote the Philistine, and he killed him. And then the men of David swore unto him, saying, You're not to go out into battle with us any more, lest you quench the light of Israel. Verses 15 through 17. So David's getting a little old here now. I mean, he's, he's a little too old for fighting. And he's out there, he's out of shape, starting to faint, and the son of Goliath just, just, just about got him until Abishai came to his help. And so from this point on, they would not allow David to go into battle. 
and it tells then of the death of the rest of Goliath's relatives, all the giants of the Philistines, even ones who had six fingers and six toes. Twenty-four in all, as far as his toes and his fingers in number. <laughs> so weird. So next time, we'll get into chapter 22. Let's pray. Father God, Lord, let our hearts remember that of the heart of David, who even though he did very foolish things, very sinful things at times, Father, still always had a heart after you, O God. And Lord God, we are your sheep. And Father, your shepherd, our shepherd, Jesus Christ. Father, let us follow him. Let us hear his voice. And let our brokenness in our bodies be healed by his love and his grace and his mercy. Father God, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for our salvation. We thank you for our life that we can honor you, glorify you, and praise you with our very mouth and our very existence. Thank you. Lord God, give us a great day today. Let our hearts rejoice in you. In Jesus' name, amen.